Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back. Um, so, a couple weeks ago, I uh, asked you guys for your feedback, and someone actually responded and made a suggestion of maybe something that you guys wanted to um, maybe uh, for me to review and go into. And that was the case of uh, Myra Murray. Uh, Murray, sorry. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I want to thank the one person that did go ahead and respond. Um, still taking emails. Um, if you would like to give me any more suggestions, you can contact me at Miss, that's M-I-S-S, Froelich, F-R-O-L-I-C-H, at gmail.com. So uh, this case had already kind of fascinated me. Um, I was already kind of contemplating doing this one and reviewing it. Um, it's just very strange, and there is a very good documentary, um, I believe it's on Amazon right now, it's called The Disappearance of Myra Murray, um, and it goes into stuff that I never really thought about, but then once they start into the story, um, it kind of reveals more and makes me kind of question what I personally thought. Um, but let's just, you know, go into, sorry, I gotta turn a fan on in my house because it's super hot. Um, so let's just go right into it, shall we? So, uh, Mario was born, uh, May 4th in 1982 in Hanson, uh, Massachusetts. Um, she has an older brother and two older sisters and a younger brother, uh, Kurt. So Mario was raised, you know, in the I Irish Catholic household. Um, when she was six, her parents had divorced and Myra lived primarily with her mother, now, she was always uh, regarded as a very good athlete, um, very well in school. Um, she was actually the star of the school's track team um, at Whitman Hanson Regional High School, uh, where she graduated. She was also accepted into the United States Military Academy in West Point, New York, where she studied uh, chemical engineering. Um, but after her freshman year, she transferred to the University of Massachusetts Amherst to study nursing. Now, in November of 2003, this is three months before her disappearance, uh, she had gotten herself in trouble by using stolen credit cards to order food from several restaurants. Now, the charge uh, was eventually dismissed um, after three months of good behavior. So... That was very, from what her friends had said, very unlike her to do something like that. So was she in some sort of financial trouble? Obviously she was if she's using stolen credit cards. Or was she starting to hang around with people that were not the best influence? Um, so on the evening of February 5th, 2004, uh, while she was on duty at campus uh, at her security job, uh, Myra spoke... Uh, to, I'm sorry, on the evening of February 5th, 1994, um, yeah, sorry, I'm getting myself confused here. <laughs> um, so this was, uh, while she was on duty at her campus security job, uh, Myra had spoken to her older sister, Kathleen. Um, they were just discussing, you know, the sisterly things, relationship problems, what's going on, um, but... At around 10.30, while she was still on her shift, uh, Myra had a, a reportedly broke down in tears. And when her supervisor, uh, you know, came came to see what was going on, uh, 
Mara was just completely zoned out. No reaction at all. Very unresponsive. So the supervisor ended up escorting her back to her dorm room at about 1.20. Finally, uh, she did say, uh, after, you know, him repeating himself over and over, you know, what's wrong, what's going on, uh, Myra said only two words, and that was my sister. So that was always a cause of concern. What happened during that phone call? Um, so it was actually, the contents of that call was actually unknown until about um, October, November of 2017, when her sister publicly explained the conversation. So Kathleen had been a recovering alcoholic and had been, uh, you know, released from rehabilitation that evening. And on her way home, uh, Kathleen's fiance took her to a liquor store, which caused her emotional breakdown. Now, did, I don't know why that would upset her sister so much. Was there something else going on that we don't know about? Did they discuss something else and the sister is just not telling us what, you know, was uh, discussed? Um, but I always found that very odd. Like, I get being upset, but being upset to a point where you have to be escorted out of your job because you were just so just distraught by that news. I mean, I don't know how close they are. It never really goes into, you know, they never really go into it. But that just always seemed weird. Like, me and my sister, we're not super close. But, like, I, you know, I, I know she won't mind me saying this. She has been released from rehab for drinking as well. Yes, I would be upset, but not to a point where I'm convulsing and just zoned out or, you know, just crying hysterically. But that's just me. So, on Saturday, February 7th, uh, Myra's dad, uh, Fred, had arrived at her school um, he had told the investigators that he and Myra had went car shopping that afternoon and later went out to dinner. Um, so Myra dropped her dad off at his motel room and she borrowed his uh, car, a Toyota Corolla, and returned to campus to attend, you know, a party. She arrived at about 10.30 p.m. and at about 2.30 on Sunday, February 8th, um, she left the party. And at about 3.30 um, on her way back to her father's hotel or uh, motel, she had struck a guardrail on Route 9, causing nearly $10,000 uh, in damage. So that was very odd. The responding officer wrote on the accident report, but there is no doc documentation, document, documentation sorry, of uh, any field sobriety test being conducted. Now, that's very strange. Was... Was there a filter? I mean, obviously, maybe she wasn't drunk, but that also just kind of just questions when you get in a, in a wreck like that, um, why wasn't there a DUI, uh, you know, thing done? I know that when I got mine, like, as soon as I got in my wreck, boom, they had already, were already making me take the, uh, the breathalyzer. So that always struck me as a little bit odd, but I don't know really what that has to do with anything. Um, probably has nothing to do with it, but that's, you know, me going into this rabbit hole. You know, you got to look at all kinds of angles here. So, uh, Myra was actually driven to her father's motel and stayed in his hotel room for the rest of the morning. Um, at about 4.50, there was a phone call placed to her boyfriend from her dad's phone. And the only people that know what happened during that conversation are the participants, the boyfriend and Myra. And obviously, boyfriend wasn't talking. 
So uh, later Sunday morning, uh, her dad, Fred, had learned the, the damage to his vehicle would be covered by his auto insurance. So he had rented a car and dropped her off at the university and departed to go back home. Now, at about 11.30-ish, 11.45 at night, Fred called his daughter to remind her to obtain accident forms um, for the registry, uh, you know, for the DMV. And they agreed to talk again on Monday to discuss the forms and fill out the insurance claims, uh, all that good stuff. So, after midnight on Monday, uh, February 9th, uh, Mara used her personal computer to map quest for directions to Berkshire and Burlington, Vermont. Now, the first reported contact uh, she had with anybody on February 9th was about 1 p.m. when she emailed her boyfriend, uh, quote, saying, I love you more, Stead. I got your messages, but honestly, I didn't feel like talking too much of anyone. I promise to call you, though. Love you, Myra. She also had made a phone call inquiring about renting a condominium at the same Barlett, New Hampshire condo, uh, which her family had previously vacationed at. So she was also, she was very familiar with this uh, area. Um, so telephone records had indicated that the call lasted about three minutes. Uh, the owner did not rent, though, the condo to her. Now, at about 113, 1.15, uh, Myra called a fellow nursing student for reasons never, never were known. Um, about 1.25 p.m., she had emailed a work supervisor of the nursing school factory that she would be out of town for a week due to a death in the family. Now, nobody in her family had died. So what was she going to do for that week? Was she planning on just going, you know, out of town for a week just by herself to clear her thoughts? Uh, or was something else going on that maybe nobody knew about? Um, she said she would contact them when she returned. So at about 2.05, uh, Myra called a number which provides record information, recorded information about booking hotels in Stone, Vermont. The call lasted at about five minutes, and at about 2.20 p.m., she telephoned her boyfriend and left a voice message saying uh, that they would talk later. Um, so in the car, she had packed clothing, toiletries, uh, college books, birth control pills. Now, you don't pack that stuff knowing that you're, you're going to disappear on your own. You pack that stuff thinking, hey... I just need to get out of town for a couple days, a week, whatever. But the birth control pills, why are you packing that? Unless she planned on meeting with somebody that was not her boyfriend or was her boyfriend and he is just hiding that information from us. So when her room was searched later, the campus police discovered most of her belongings were packed in boxes and it wasn't clear whether she had packed them that day that she left, but police ha had said that she probably packed them between Sunday and Monday, Sunday night and Monday morning. Um, on top of the boxes was the printed email to her boyfriend indicating trouble in their relationship. Um, at around 3.30, she drove off the campus in her black 1996 Saturn sedan. Uh, classes at the university have been canceled that day to, to, due to a snowstorm. So, well, it's very weird. So, there's a snowstorm, but yet she's going to go straight into the, you know, the hub of this this storm um you don't most people you know that live back there that are used to snowstorms they don't leave anywhere they stay hunkered down mm. 
So that always kind of struck me as a little bit strange, but hey, some people are just weird like that or just are, I don't know. So at about 3.40 p.m., she had withdrawn uh, $280 uh, from an ATM. Now, the footage from that ATM showed that she was alone. There was nobody nearby. And then she went to a nearby liquor store where she purchased about $40 worth of alcohol. And this was including Bailey's Eilish Cream, Kahlua, vodka, and a box of Franza wine. I personally am not a Franza wine gal. I am the jug wine gal. The sangria. But anyway, that's just my preference. <laughs> uh, so security footage, footage again showed that she was alone when she made that purchase. Now, at some point in the day, she also picked up the accident report forms from the Massachusetts DMV. Uh, Myra then left Amherst between 4 and 5, presumably uh, via Interstate 91. She called to check her voicemail at 4.37, and that was the last recorded use of her cell phone. So, there was no information. Where was she going? That had always been i mean we're gonna get into where like we think she was going but was she just going to like her family's condo maybe um up there uh just to get away you know clear ahead um but why all the alcohol was she planning on doing something so sometime after 7 p.m uh a woodsville or woodsville new in woodsville new hampshire resident heard a loud thump outside her house now, she looked out the window and can see a car up against a snowbank along Route 112. Uh, the car was pointed west on an eastbound side of the road. So she had telephoned, you know, the police at about 727 to report the incident or the accident. I'm sorry. Now, according to the 911 log, the woman claimed to have seen a man smoking a cigarette inside the car. However, she later stated that she had not seen a man nor a person smoking a cigarette, but rather seen what appeared to be a red light glowing from inside the car. Possibly it could have been a cell phone. Now, is it is it possible that this lady did see somebody um, maybe trying to help help her that maybe he thought she was hurt? She Maybe she wasn't completely responsive. If she had been drinking, um, it could have been that. Or... You know, people do just kind of see things that, you know, if it's, it's, it, it doesn't, I don't know how to explain it. Like, people just see things and it's not really there or their mind plays tricks on them. Um, so, at about the same time, another neighbor saw the car as well as someone walking around the vehicle. She had witnessed a third neighbor pull alongside the vehicle. That neighbor was the school bus driver returning home and noticed that a young woman was bleeding, was not bleeding, I'm sorry, or injured, but just cold, shivering, kind of shaken up. He offered to telephone for help. She asked him not to call the police. Um, one police report stated that she pleaded with him. Now, that could indicate that she was drunk at the time. Um, but assured him that she had already called AAA. Now, according to the AAA records, there was no call ever made. So, what was she doing? So, knowing that there was no cell, cell reception in the area, the bus driver went home and called the police. Now, the police recorded his call at 7.43. He was unable to see uh, Myra's car while he made the phone call, but did notice several cars pass on the road before the police arrived. Now, another resident driving home from work claimed she passed the scene at about 7.37 and saw a police SUV parked face-to-face with Myra's car. 
She pulled over briefly but did not see anyone inside or outside of the cars and continued home. Now, that witness's statement contradicts the police log, which uh, Harver Hill police arriving nine minutes, nine minutes later. So was it somebody... Was it the police that was actually there? Was it somebody impersonating a police officer or the sheriffs? There are tons of possibilities. Now, if you believe what the, poli the police statement that they didn't arrive on scene until 746, then yes, that does contradict that witnesses saying that about 737 that she saw a police SUV. Or, you know, are the police lying? Is the witness lying? What really happened? Now... According to the police log, um, they had arrived on the scene um, at 7.46. No one was inside or around the vehicle, they said. The car had impacted the tree on the driver's side of the vehicle, um, damaging the left headlight and pushing the car's radiator into the fan, uh, rendering it inoperable. That kind of sounds like when I got in my accident. Um, the car's windshield was cracked on the driver's side and both airbags was, had been deployed. Now, the car was locked. So inside and outside the car, the police officer discovered red stains that looked to be red wine. But we don't know that at this time. Could she have gotten injured during this accident? Or was she trying to get rid of the evidence that she was drinking at all? Um, because inside the car, the police uh, actually ended up finding an empty beer bottle, a damaged box of the wine on the rear seat. Um, in addition, he found the eight... A, a triple A card that was issued to her, the um, accident report forms, gloves, compact discs, makeup, jewelry, driving directions to Burlington, Vermont, and um, a book called Not Without Pearl, a book about mountain climbing in the White Mountains. Now, the things that were missing were her debit cards, her credit cards, her cell phone. Um, none of this has ever been located. And the police report that some of the bottles of liquor that she had purchased were also missing. Now, is it possible that she just couldn't handle the fact that she had caused so much damage to her, her dad's car and the fact that she was uh, still, you know, in trouble and on probation for the stolen credit cards and just got, just couldn't handle it anymore and was so distraught that she just went off somewhere. So, um... According to uh, some of the like the witnesses, at a hairpin turn, she went off the road, and that's when the car hit the tree. At some point, a person came along who was driving the bus, which is the bus driver. It was the neighbor, and he asked her if she needed help, so she refused. So the police, according to this timeline, the police show about, about 10 minutes later, and she was gone. Um, so between 8 and 8.30, a contractor returning home saw a young person moving quickly on foot eastbound on Route 112 about four or five miles where her car was discovered. He noted that this person was wearing uh, jeans, a dark coat, and a light color hood. He and didn't report it to the police immediately due to his own confusion of dates, only discovering three months later that he had spotted the young person that night that it was her. Now, the responding officer and the bus driver drove around the area searching for her, and uh, a fire truck had arrived to clear the scene, but by 8.49, the car had been towed to a local garage, and about 9.30, the responding officer left. Now, a rag believed to be part of Myra's, 
uh, emergency roadside kit was discovered stuffed into the Saturn's mu- uh, muffler pipe. Now, authorities referred to her as simply missing at, would refer to her as missing at about 12 p.m. the next day, also 24 hours after the last confirmed sighting of her. So what was up with that, that rag? Did somebody put that rag in there? Was somebody else with her um, in the car that maybe just got scared and ran off? But how did that rag get into that muffler pipe? You don't put that in yourself. I mean, unless you're just way off, you know, your your rocker at this point. But it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. But, I mean, I don't know. There's just so many things just wrong. So, you know, the search efforts, you know, from basically, you know, everybody just came down. They were searching. They had searched um, the parents' house. They interrogated each family member. Um, so... This this is where it kind of gets interesting. So, on February 11th, uh, the dad had arrived in Hammerville at about 8 a.m. Or, uh, in, yeah, arrived at about 8 a.m. Now, at 5 p.m., her boyfriend and his parents arrived, too. He was interrogated in private and then joined by his parents for questioning. Now, at about 7 p.m., the police said they believed uh, Myra came to the area either to run away or attempt suicide. Now, Myra's boyfriend had turned off his cell phone during his flight, and at some point he received a voicemail that he believed was the sound of her crying. Now, the call was traced to a calling card issued to the American Red Cross. Now, was, was that voicemail... When she had disappeared, when she gotten into the accident, because I know a lot of times I have, you know, I get a lot of um, debt collectors or whatever or scam likely, and I don't listen to the voicemails. I just kind of ignore it. Now, was that an old message that he just somehow just got lost in the cracks and it was from her in the crash or was it really uh, did she try to call him when he was on his way down to find her? Um, that one always kind of stuck with me because what if it was, what if somehow she did manage to get out of there, go, go somewhere, find someone to help her? Um, we just never know. And that, um, always kind of just, I don't know, just rubbed me the wrong way. Or I, that was always just something that always bothered me because you never know, was it? you know, the old message that she had left and he had just somehow missed it and it got, you know, stuck in his emails? Or was it from her, you know, actually calling and getting away? Um, We just never know. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know what to think of this, honestly. Like, this whole thing, you don't know if you can trust the police reports. And honestly, you don't know if you can even trust some of the, the witnesses, Um, so this was always very, a weird case for me. And like, to this day, there's still not that many answers to what had actually happened and what is truthful and what is not, because the police are giving either false statements or inaccurate statements. And then you feel like maybe some of these witnesses are not being either entirely truthful or just... Something just doesn't seem right in this little town because when you see this documentary, they do go into that the town, there are not very nice people that are in this town. There's some very shady characters. So did she somehow, 
meet one of them and that has that's why she has not been found? What is going on here? Um, so if you guys want to check that out, go ahead. It's called The Disappearance of My Memory. I know it's on Amazon right now. I believe it's on Hulu. It might be on Peacock. I'm not sure. But it's, it's very interesting. It goes a little bit more in depth. Um, this is just my point of view. I think something happened. Um, I think maybe she did get away um, be, and got scared because, you know, she knew she had been drinking. She knew she was on probation. This was going to be a big deal if she got caught. And she ran it. I, I believe she ran into some people that said that they were going to help her. And they basically, you know, just killed her or kidnapped her, held her for a while. Uh, who knows what could have happened. But that's kind of what I'm thinking could that's that's what I'm thinking that happened but I mean it's all what you guys think and I just wanted to bring you the story and I hope you guys have a good day get out of this heat because it's gonna get hotter and hotter ugh